Here at Educas, we continue to provide a comprehensive package of support to aid you in the delivery of our geography qualifications, including expert advice and guidance from our subject specialists to support your teaching and free resources to be used in the classroom or for blended learning. We're here to support you. Hello there, welcome to JogPod. Today I'm talking to Elizabeth Rushton, Charles Trulsilan and Darcy Beardmore Crowther. Just a quick introduction. Lizzie, you're the subject director of the Geography PGCE programme at King's College London. And Darcy and Charlotte, you're two of the first ever cohort of Geography PGCE students at KCL. The course began in 2020, didn't it? And there's 18 of you. You really couldn't have started your teaching training at a, just a more bizarre time. COVID-19 pandemic, and then that's essentially stopped all face-to-face work, which is what it's about, isn't it, really? So no school placements, and just a completely different experience. Although I'm saying it's different, you don't know any different. So for you, it's just the experience. So I bet it's been really challenging. Thank you all for joining me today. Thanks so much for having us, John. And we're really super pleased to be able to contribute to the podcast and to share our experiences. Do you know, I think we're ahead of the game, actually. There was an article in The Guardian yesterday. I don't know if you've seen it. It's, it was entitled, UK Trainee Teachers, Have You Been Affected by the Pandemic? And there's a short piece, and then there's a request for responses. I'd like to say I found the article, but I didn't. I, I, it, Professor Rachel Lofthouse tweeted it. But uh, I think we're ahead of the game. All I'm going to do is point them to this podcast. Brilliant. I, I, I don't think they need to bother doing anything else. So, I just... Before we get onto that, because I, it is really challenging, it is. It has been a real different experience. I'd just like to ask you a little bit, Charlotte and Darcy, really, something a bit more fundamental, really, because I'm not sure you knew this was coming when you applied, but Darcy, what made you want to be a teacher? Um, I think sort of fundamentally, I've, I've been really fortunate over sort of like since graduating to have a uh, variety of work experience in different sectors um but the one kind of like resounding thing is that I've always really enjoyed the work experience that's meant I've had kind of the most impact on individuals and the kind of um the work I've done has sort of done something for them that's going to lead them or going to give them a good memory or going to kind of like help them develop in in a particular way Um, so I've done some outdoor education instructing and we had students from the NCS scheme would come along um, and that's always just, it's always been a work experience that stuck with me because you can see, you know, what they take from it. You can see their reluctance at the start of the week to get involved in outdoor activities and you can see how much they've enjoyed it um, at the end of the week. And that's, again, a couple more kind of work experiences down the line. It's always been something that has, has I've found really rewarding. The outdoor experiences, they, it wasn't geography then. It wasn't a geography field work. You had a field centre. It was um, more outdoor activities. Yeah, it was. It was more outdoor activities. It was um, it was a, a summer camp, essentially, where students would come. It was uh, predominantly the first week of their NCS scheme, which is the National Citizen Service, I believe. And um, yeah, they'd come for their team building week. They'd do some um, rock wall climbing. They'd do some canoeing. They'd do some expedition sort of um, like a, a long hike. Um, and it was, it was all that sort of thing. Charlotte, what about you? What made you want to be a teacher? 
Um, I mean, I've always had a huge respect for teachers because um, I knew how much they helped me at school. So I kind of wanted to be that teacher who helps kids and even just getting like a thank you for helping me. It's such a rewarding feeling. Um, so I've, I've always wanted that. And I, like Darcy's done all this outdoor stuff. I actually went to NCS. Um, so I knew how much they helped and I wanted to do that for kids, essentially. Well, I think that's rather wonderful. I, I'm, I haven't been in the classroom for a long while. I went to the, the Geographical Association after I'd done a stint of teaching for 30 years, but I still get comments from ex-students who are probably about 90 now, um, but, but still reminding me about field trips in Arran or just experiences that I'd almost forgotten about but were pretty much, it'd be too much to say life-changing, but certainly something dramatic that they still remember 20, 30 years on. I, I understand what you're saying there. What sort of teacher do you want to be, Darcy, do you think, when you get into this? I think um, in my kind of opinion or what I want to carry through is that you know, being a teacher is, I think, more than just kind of standing in front of the room and teaching a lesson. I think I would really want to be quite an open and honest and approachable approachable kind of teacher and a point of contact for students for you know any particular reasons I just I really want to maintain that kind of approachability in in the sort of teacher I am and you're nodding there Charlotte so I think you recognize the same things anything else you want to add um I think as well as that it's also important to actually enjoy your subject and show your students that you actually enjoy being there and actually teaching the subject because I know there's probably teachers out there that are just doing it because it's a job and they don't it's just one of those things you you can do and they don't show that kind of interaction with their subjects but I think it's because I love love geography um I didn't just pick it because I was good at it I love the subject and I think that's really really important to show to children so they can kind of get that same interaction with the subject and enjoy it as well. I think I might ask you the same, actually, Lizzie. What made you want to be a teacher and then want to be a, a teacher trainer? I think, um, I think I'd have to take both of Charlotte and Darcy's responses there. I, I love working with people, um, whether they're young people in the classroom or whether they're um, young teachers um, early in their career. But I absolutely love my subject. Um, I love geography. I love the way that it gives you a different way of looking at the world. It brings something new to the familiar all the time. And I think that there is something in geography for everyone. It's such a broad, diverse subject that it, it doesn't matter who you are, um, your experiences. There is always something in that subject for you, whether it's a fascination about glacial landscapes or whether it's um, thinking about place or um, whether it's thinking about globalisation. There is always something in that subject for someone. You've just got to find that connection that you can make um, for that person. And um, that's, that's a huge privilege really to be a part of. You're leading me on to what was going to be my second question, really. Um, I've just downloaded from UCL Press, what should schools teach? And it's um, it's the second edition, but it's just, it's a January publication. It's a freebie to download, or £25, I think, for the, for the uh, paperback. Uh, one of the authors is Alex Standish, and his chapter on geography, I think, is well worth a read for everybody. So I'm going to ask you now then, Charlotte, what do you think, this is a tricky question, this is the sort of thing that you don't want when you've gone for an interview and the interviewee says, what's the point of geography in the curriculum anyway? I think 
the point of geography is it's literally everywhere. Like you can't physically avoid it. You want to travel somewhere, you pick up your phone, you use a map, geography. Um, you go traveling, you look at scenery. It's lit, everything is geography. And I think it's just the biggest, um, because it's literally connected with all your subjects. You've got maths, you've got biology, you've got history, you've got politics. It's a huge bundle of all of those subjects and when you think about maths you probably have asked the question what is the point of trigonometry like I've never used it unless I've studied it but you with geography you can't avoid it essentially and conceptually when you start to unpick the, the notions of place and space and understanding how people interact in those it's a much it, it's a powerful way of understanding why people see things in a different way or in the same way quite often in different parts of the world. So we look at similarities. Sometimes I think, I think we tend to look at difference more than we, sh we should do because there are more similarities than differences. But it helps us to understand decision-making across the world. It helps us to understand, uh, and Lizzie, you talked about landscapes as well, an appreciation of, of landscape and the beauty and why you need to preserve those sorts of things. But there's a whole chapter there that, to, to get your teeth into without extending. She goes... <laughs> And um, Darcy, what do you think? I think on top of everything that um, Charlotte said there, we are coming into a period of time where there's a lot of kind of geographical issues. Um, you've got environmental issues are, as like rightly should be, you know, across the headlines. Um, there's lots of various geopolitical issues as well, which you, know, you cover in the geography curriculum at the moment. And without putting too much pressure on a, on a younger generation or younger people, these are the kind of issues that they're going to be facing head on. Um, so I think that is really crucial for the students to have an understanding of, of these issues, have an understanding of things like sort of recurring refugee crisis and why they're happening um, and, you know, more frequent extreme weather, for example. I think it's super important that students understand why these are happening um, and that's not to go on to say every single one of them will be the solution to you know climate change <laughs> but I think even if they have just a, a small smallest understanding of of a topic like climate change that's information that they'll carry through with them for the rest of their their sort of adult life or young adult life or just through their entire life and so that in itself um, will really help with the mitigation of these kind of issues um, on top of that you know you get to sixth form in geography and it becomes a lot more critical, uh, a lot more philosophical, like you were saying, John, about um, changing place and changing spaces. Uh, and that critical thinking, I think, is very, very important for students to understand. And it's something you delve a lot more into at university, but I think when students can develop those skills from key stage three through to sixth form, I think that's also super important as well. And, and just something that geographies are very well positioned to do that. I think that's very much what we were talking about in the previous podcast that I've done with John Huckle and Paul Turner. We were talking about global citizens and uh, Paul was talking about being a radical geographer and talking in, even in different language from you've used and, and talking about the climate crisis, the climate emergency and the importance of getting that over to the next generation because they're the people who are going to be um, suffering the consequences if we don't take action. It, it, it's, I think it's the, the most relevant subject that you could possibly study in terms of what we're doing to the planet and, and how we might mitigate the circumstances that we're putting ourselves into at the moment. And none more so, I suppose, than, uh, than looking at the, the geography of 
disease. That'll all come out after the pandemic, I think. But your first problem has been how to train as a geography teacher in the middle of this global pandemic, which has taken you away from the classroom. And it's, it's taken you away from what you've been talking about, working closely with young people uh, in whatever, either as a teacher trainer or as a, as a teacher yourself. So Lizzie, what do you think for you, what have been the, the, the main challenges of, of setting this, this up as a, as a meaningful experience when you can't get properly face-to-face? That's a really good question. I mean, I think always wanting to think positively, we have to remember that geographers are a super resourceful, adaptable bunch of people. I think if, you, if you're in a crisis, you want to call on a geographer um, uh, to help you figure out um, what to do next. It has been a huge challenge not being together as a university group in person. That hasn't happened yet this year. Um, and that's been a real sadness. And each time we've been through a period where the pandemic seems to have subsided and we've planned person in-person um, teaching, that has then had to be reorganised. Um, but I think, you know, those same kind of adaptability, resourcefulness um, uh, approach to, to life that we have in in, in in non-pandemic times has really come to our aid but yeah we haven't been we haven't met in person we haven't been able to do field work yet together we've had to convert some of our plans for walking tours into um, google earth tours um you know it's been it's been a real challenge um but teaching is a challenging career um in a pandemic and not in a pandemic so actually there's a little part of me that thinks if if we can make this a productive experience and we can get through those challenges um then that sets us up um, both as teachers and, and a very novice teacher educator. And we've been in the same boat, right? I mean, you know, I've said to Darcy and to Charlotte and their colleagues many, many times over the last few months, I'm not sure how we're going to figure this out, but we will. We'll do it together. And it's trying to keep that sense of spirit going, even in the challenges. What was your pathway to this? Where were you the, the previous year? Is this your first? So this is your first year of teacher training as well. You haven't moved from another centre. No, no, um, it's me. I was um, doing a postdoc um, in the School of Education at King's uh, last year and I um, was appointed in January full of ideas of all the outdoor um, work we were going to do um, and then started the role in, in May of 2020. So, yeah, it's, uh, but I have to have to say um, the geography teacher educator community and um, particularly um, that supported by the GA has been hugely supportive. We had a conference last month um, and everyone has been so encouraging and welcoming. So I've never felt alone. Um, I felt um, ill-equipped at times, um, but you know, never felt alone and always had um, people that um, I could ask for help and advice. That would be the GCE conference, yes? That was right, yeah, the GCE conference, yeah, at the end of January. Yes, I've been to a few of those. They're, they're a fantastic support, aren't they? There's some wonderful ideas come out of that, uh, that conference. I think it's a shame that sometimes that the papers aren't distributed more widely because there's such, there's such depth of thinking in what goes on with some of those papers. And I can see what you mean about the, the supportive community. It's a, it's a, I've got some stories to tell about those, but I, I'll leave that one for later. <laughs> um, Darcy. What's it been like for you? I think the main challenge has been not being able to go to the pub on a Friday after the week at school with some of the colleagues. But <laughs> um, aside from that, um, aside from that, it's we've been really fortunate. We have got some some in school placement time, um, which has been really really good. I think that has made 
sort of like the best of, and I don't want to say the best of a bad situation, but it's made the best of the situation that we've, we've got, still being able to to go into school, still being able to go into the that environment um, and still being able to converse with and, and learn from the teachers on the job. Um, I think the challenges have been, for me, um, the placement school I was at was the intermittency of some of the year groups that were there due to um, COVID-19. Um, some year groups were off for two separate periods of two weeks at a time. Um, so in that kind of 12 week period, there were four weeks of, of remote learning and that happened for a number of year groups. Um, so yeah, the, the difficulty in explaining it almost kind of shows the difficulty in trying to keep up with what was going on. Um, but it just meant that I just had a really good opportunity to focus on my planning. Um, it's an area that I've found particularly difficult, I think pandemic or no pandemic. Uh, and, you know, maybe not having the classroom time it has just given me a real opportunity to focus on things like lesson planning and 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 also how to be creative with lesson planning um the lessons i was producing were pre-recorded so i was trying to think of ways to make a pre-recorded lesson as engaging as it could be um and that was so that's that's sort of the next challenge was was engagement um from students uh and and that's absolutely no fault of their own i think it's a range of reasons some some home environments just aren't um you know tantamount to remote learning um just because of you know tech access technology access um so yeah they, they were some of the main challenges that i've found so far did you do any face-to-face with um the children of protected workers uh, i didn't no i didn't do any uh, face-to-face or in school teaching for, for those children no. right so when you said at the beginning that uh, part of what you wanted to do was, was develop that sort of relationship that's that, that's doubly difficult because you're not seeing them face to face and then then they're just as you just said they they're not even having a sequence of lessons they dip in they dip out because of the way that the, it's organized you're abs- yeah absolutely i think on my notes page here i've said it's been really difficult to form relationships with classes because of this um you know you can't circulate the classroom and even when the classes were in you know, it was you, you didn't really want to spend too much time circulating classes because of social distancing post- protocols. Um, so you're absolutely, yeah, bang on. It was really difficult to form relationships with, with pupils and students and classes. What was it like for you, Charlotte? I mean, mainly it was just weird. And I hate the word journey. I'm like, I find it such a strange word, but there is no other way to describe it as it was just so up and down because you're trying to remain strong and positive when it's already kind of gone wrong right at the beginning and it's such a weird situation that you come into school and you are like in constant nervous anxiety of something that's going to happen next but you have to remain strong and you have to remain positive because the second you do you hit a big kind of wall and it just goes down. And um, I think with the challenges for actually being in the classroom, Darcy mentioned a lot of it. I find that like not being able to move around the classroom, the biggest challenge, because as a teacher, I remember if you're in uh, like at school, you have your teacher like coming around and like hovering over you and like asking you how your work is going. And you can't do that. And you can't physically at the front of a classroom, ask the person in the back how their work is going. And if they need help, when they might not want to tell you in front of the entire class, 
So obviously once everyone's gone, you can only have that conversation, but then they've got the next lesson to go to and it's all a bit strange. And then you move online and you physically don't see them because they all have their cameras off. Um, for example, in my, when I did my last placement, we had our cameras off as well as the students. So it was just all names and you can't see anything. The students don't even like like to interact online, which is really strange because in the classroom, you can't get them to stop talking. Yeah, online, they just don't start. So it's a lot of silence and you're just waiting for students to respond. And that takes up half the time. So there's a lot of challenges, but you just have to remain strong. It must be really quite difficult because you can't even see a puzzled face then. And, and it's taken away, like you said there, it's taken away your key uh, mechanism for formative assessment, really. Just a little quiet word. Yeah, you can't even have that. So I don't, it was so much harder. And when you're online, you have the chat function. But then in our school, they disabled it because students were just having talks about their own stuff. And I was just there like, how am I supposed to do anything? when they won't even talk. That's my only mode of conversation and I can't even have that. It's very tricky. Lizzie, how have you managed the shift to online learning? I mean, at least Darcy and, and Charlotte aren't chattering away while you're trying to teach them, <laughs> distracting themselves, so you don't have to turn them all off. <laughs> but it's still a difficulty. It has been it has been interesting. I don't know. I think sometimes our, our online university sessions have descended into a little bit of um, of a role play of what it might be like in a um, in a in a, a school classroom environment. It has been tricky. I mean, there's had to be some really careful thinking about these issues that you know Charlotte and Darcy have really um, eloquently described. We've um, had to really think about how can we. Um, model in the university sessions some ways of doing um, very simple formative assessment you know how can we use the chat box um, as a teacher how can we um, also think about some of the more kind of social and emotional side so we have uh, like a whatsapp group that's a very informal space where we can share ideas we can share how we're feeling and it's not really kind of um, focused on the work um, and then also regular online social catch-up so Christmas time we had a quiz um, I think everyone in this pandemic has had some sort of online uh, quiz but just having those intentional spaces even though they're online um, to provide extra support and, and lots of extra personal tutoring if I'm honest I mean that has been um, something that I've really wanted along with um, my colleague Cirrus to invest time in so that you don't have to wait for the next tutorial to bring something up if there's a problem, if there's a, a worry, um, you know, it's a it's a kind of an open inbox policy rather than open door policy. And I hope that that's gone some way to alleviate the very real anxieties and nervousness um, that both um, uh, Charlotte and Darcy have described really well. Mm. I think a lot of teachers who've been teaching for a long time, I know my sample is Twitter, so I know that that's a select few, but there's a lot talked about being more tired, more stressed, worried about morale, concerned about uh, how teachers are being portrayed in the mainstream media, because they're on holiday, they're off, then the schools are closed, so that means the teachers aren't doing anything. And actually, you're probably working double because you've got to prepare those online lessons, sort out your marking, and do all the other bits and pieces. It's, it's I think, doubly difficult. You were nodding there, Charles. How did you manage your shift to online learning? I think because it was so, so sudden, 
it was one day you're in school and you thought you were just going to carry on and the next day you had the announcement and it was just completely online everyone didn't come in and you had to kind of adapt straight away but thankfully because our uni sessions were online we had that kind of practice let's say of actually being able to talk to people online and have that kind of not the same amount of interaction but interaction nonetheless um so i think we were we it was quite good um for us because we had that practice uh compared to other teachers where it was just sudden for them and they had to um like the main teachers in schools they didn't really do this so they had to kind of adapt straight away because they can't take a break whereas we can kind of slowly adapt we have that kind of space and um time to adapt and take some time um to watch the teachers teach before we even get there ourselves but i think it was just a lot harder as i think darcy said to build a relationship with the students because that's kind of your main priority you want them to be able to talk to you and if you can't have that and it's online and they can't see your face it's so so much harder at least at uni in our lectures we can see each other's face and we can moan together and talk about all our struggles but at school it's um, online for students it's so much harder to do that because they're not as confident talking online really thought about that but it's a good point you made there because a lot of teachers again on twitter were saying that they'd had no training so you've at least had that well yeah you've had that training as it's yeah. gone along which has been uh, i would imagine a, a real benefit well do, would you agree darcy yeah definitely i would 100 percent agree i think we were used to the idea of online learning um through university sessions Personally, sort of, as I said, when we had year groups at my placement school, we're going home throughout that first term as well. Um, it was almost like a phased, a phased introduction to online teaching because you were kind of producing some face-to-face lessons and producing some um, online lessons. The biggest panic would have been for you, Lizzie, really, because these two are getting the benefits of you doing the, uh, the online work first, but you were launched straight into it. I didn't know any better. I, I think I'm um, similar to, to Darcy and Charlotte. This is my first time through and it was just about um, making the absolute best of the experience that we could, um, but also not with a, a particularly, you know, well, I did it like this last year. I did it like this the year before. It was okay. I just think, well, what, what resources do we have? What um, can we do that's meaningful? And what can I learn from others in the same situation? And as I said before, like just being super adaptable and resourceful, but also... I think that that um, Darcy and Charlotte have talked about relationships is so important. I feel, I hope that they would agree that um, we've spent a lot of time building relationships with each of the PGC students so that we know their particular circumstances. We know um, uh, what they're going to need and really try and tailor that so that they get the best possible experience, but also acknowledging that there are things that they might not able be able to do this year. And we're going to have to think, well, what what's extra support? What... Um, will we need to think about um, in their NQT year just in terms of for example we haven't done any outdoor field work yet and obviously we've we planned that for September and then we planned that for February and now we've replanned it for June and if that doesn't happen in June you know we're going to have to really think carefully about um, making sure that there's some provision for that before September for them because that's a crucial part of being a geography teacher. Yes I agree. 
there must be some upsides when in fact there are because I've, I've read some of the comments that teachers have made about how they think their students are, are more resilient now they're better at independent learning I'm not going to put all those words out to you though I'm going to ask you first because otherwise I'm, I might tell you what you want to say to me um, so upsides Charlotte first what what have been the the upsides of this for you I think mainly being able to develop the skill of actually learning online and being able to teach um, online is the biggest skill you can learn through this and picking up all the different resources you didn't know you had that were available that were made known to you like Zoom and Microsoft Teams the first lockdown I think um, in March all the schools closed we didn't have any of this and teachers just put up homework online and I, I have siblings so I know how bad that was because they didn't have any sort of interaction with anyone outside the four walls and the people in their homes um, so I think that is definitely one upside to both us as a teacher being able to see and talk to our students but for students themselves being able to actually interact with someone other than their parents and siblings and have that outside an interaction because they can't go out physically and I know kids aren't going to go out um, and just wander and have long walks um, because they're children so any outside interaction they can have is the biggest upside but I think learning to be able to have a good relationship with anyone um, students peers colleagues alike also is the biggest upside I guess and if it's from you, Darcy, if there's anything else, because that was pretty thorough. It was thorough, yeah. I think just, yeah, echoing what um, Charlotte said, you know, being able to provide sort of well-thought-out, well-planned lessons to students um, where you can interact and you can give some element of feedback to encourage their progress from home. Um, but I think in from a curriculum perspective as well, the 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 pandemic itself has really made geography a lot more apparent. I think, I think it's really like has the potential to put geography at the forefront of a really important subject. Um, and COVID-19 has given kind of a lot of good examples of, of geography. I think it's in, if anything, it's a great way to visualize you know, globalization essentially um, on one hand um, and the sixth form specification as well. They particularly talk about, infectious diseases and um sort of giving aid to these countries and i was doing a lesson with it with a sixth form group and before we even kind of got onto the bulk of the lesson about infectious diseases they already had an understanding of of pandemics of epidemics and of infectious diseases purely because they were in one and they could relate to it so it's it's made a lot of elements of geography quite relatable to our students as well and that's a resource that we can use throughout um, throughout online teaching as well, just to kind of make everything that bit more relatable and, un and understandable. Have you got anything to add, Lizzie? I think I'd just add that I've been so impressed by um, Darcy and Charlotte and their colleagues and all trainee teachers um, in this situation. Um, I think they've really um, underlined uh, their value to society, the, the difference that they can make to their schools and their placements. You know, they were at the forefront of this shift in January in particular, saying, well, I know how to use a Google Jamboard and I know how to use Teams and, and you know, really stepping up into the role of kind of beyond their beyond their stage, really. So I think for, for me, it's just 
reaffirmed why I you know, really wanted to, to do this job. But I think for society more generally, I hope they can see the value of teachers as key workers and, and, and in our kind of perspective of training teachers and really see the impact that teachers have. I think they're the glue of society. I think they, they are the connections, um, the, the, you know, the conduit for um, a lot of good. And, and I know that there's been negative stuff in the press and I just choose not to believe that that is what the majority of people think. I think most people are super grateful for all the effort that teachers and of course geography teachers in particular have done over the last few months and we'll continue to do we do what's asked of us and I think that's something to be really proud of. I think quite often it's clickbait when people say something like that in the press they just uh, they have a headline that they want to to draw people in Mr Angry who's normally before the days of social media it would be Mr Angry who sits in the corner of the pub and everyone chooses to ignore them but now with social media they can all clump together and be a whole series of Mr and Mrs Angry's I think I think you're right to choose to ignore them. I've been reading a new study from the University of Birmingham and it concluded that remote and blended approaches to teacher education uh, can be as effective as face-to-face approaches which was interesting but I suppose right enough and I, I just wonder whether do you think that that might change the face of teaching when we come out of the pandemic, whether there will be some of this that's part of the mix? What do you think, Lizzie? I think there are certainly some things to reflect on and think, can we take forward? I think tutorials online, um, when they're one-to-one tutorials, uh, rather than kind of uh, dragging 18 folk across London to come and sit in, in an office for 20 minutes, actually, is it more productive to do that um, online? I think there's obviously, as Shart and Darcy have described, there is a pedagogy of online learning that's probably um, some really interesting things to think about and to think, do we want to bring that into teacher education? And the other thing I'd just briefly mention is um, that all of our school visits, so normally um, uh, someone in my position would go into the placement school and meet with the trainee and observe a bit of a lesson and have a discussion with their mentor. Um, and obviously we haven't done that. Um, we've done it all online and we've had um, a situation where I'm discussing with the mentor and Darcy or Charlotte um, how a lesson that they've recently teached has got, sorry, recently taught has gone and, and that the mentor has observed. And I, I'm still figuring out whether that's something to keep into the mix, but I have noticed and talked, spoken with colleagues that that's a much um, lower pressure situation. You're, you're having a part of a, a, a kind of coaching, professional coaching conversation there between three parties rather than the kind of pressure and the scrutiny and the kind of performance that goes on with an observation. So you feel like you have to bring out your whiz-bang lesson because your university tutor's coming into the classroom and it's got to be the best thing ever. Actually, I want to see the bits that are difficult and, and help support them to overcome those. So I wonder whether that might be part of the mix going forward. Um, but I think we've still got a bit of time to kind of figure all of that out. We've got to get post-pandemic before we um, kind of learn the lessons, I guess. Yeah, I think I think so. But um, what do you think, Charlotte? How are you feeling about it? Um, I think it could be effective. I think there's, um, as Lizzie mentioned, there's so many positives you can take from this. And maybe, yes, having um, tutorials with the, your um, teacher online one-to-one would be so much better than dragging them into school um, to have a meeting. But I think there's a lot of importance that you do give to being in a school environment. And it's just being able to be with your friends. Um, 
because I know there's so many things that you go to school and little things that happen that make you laugh. Um, you gossip with your friends. Um, you interact with your teachers face to face. But then you also have things like PE where um, you physically do a sport with your friends and just have fun. And I remember enjoying PE so much or going to like music lessons. Um, and a lot of that you can't do well you can't play a sport by yourself at home and you kind of need to go into school and I think there's a lot of important things that only going into school being face to face um, can give you and it's just that being able to interact and having those social skills because they are so so important when you progress from school to a job interview to an interview for a degree or just being able to talk to anyone other than your family. There are some things that you just can't do, really. I, Alan Parkinson once said to me, virtual fieldwork is like a virtual pint of beer. And uh, <laughs> I've stuck with that little saying. It, 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 there are some really good virtual fieldworks, but it's not the same as it. You don't get the scent. You don't get the wind blowing your hat off. You don't get the interaction of students talking about whereabouts they are. You don't get that sense of, oh, I wonder, I haven't got a big screen. And it, it's, it's all done on your, your laptop. Lizzie, what do you think the future learning priorities will be? Once we all return to school, what are the key things that we need to think about with the students that are coming back after this year? I mean, I'm going to um, sound a little bit like a broken record and echo what Darcy and Charlotte have said about relationships. I think the key thing that we need to re-establish um, as human beings is our relationships with our colleagues, uh, relationships with pupils, allow pupils to um, re-establish their relationships with each other. They might not have seen each other for weeks and weeks and weeks. And I think if we can focus on those, then all the learning will happen. It, it will happen. We, 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 we were um, effective teachers and pupils before the pandemic. We haven't lost anything in that sense, just except time. And if we can really um, focus on re-establishing um, those relationships, I'm really confident that the learning um, that perhaps some would describe as being lost or um, I'm not too comfortable with the catch-up narrative I have to say I, I think it's about re-establishing those relationships and and trusting teachers and trusting young people that we will we will um, kind of get that that good learning um, back because we had it before. I was going to ask you about that if I'm not going to be being too controversial because I'm uncomfortable about it too I don't like the idea this isn't anything I don't teach anymore so it, it's not about me losing my summer holidays I just don't like the idea that, that they suggest a six weeks where the schools don't close over summer holidays will have an impact. I I, just, I, as a geography teacher, um, I, I want them outside. I want kids running around outside, playing, enjoying um, each other's company, enjoying, uh, preferably running around, you know, uh, in, in a nice green space, um, forming, you know, reconnecting with, with the outdoors. Um, I, crikey, they've been stuck inside um, in front of a screen for months and months and months I think the last I just don't see how it's helpful or productive and I don't actually see what you can catch up in that period of time with a bunch of exhausted teachers exhausted parents you know frustrated children I yeah I mean gosh I hope I don't get in trouble for saying that but I I really I also fundamentally don't know how you can measure lost learning uh, yeah, I find the whole narrative really problematic. Well, so do I, and, and I'm not going to get into as much trouble as you, but I think the whole thing about um, about the uh, 
the left behind children after more than a decade where youth clubs and funding has been taken away, I think is, um, is something that we need to question. When I first started teaching, there was a, a really um, well-attended youth club, four nights a week, not staffed by teachers. And it ran at lunchtime as well. And if you wanted to as a teacher, you volunteered. And it was a completely different atmosphere in the youth club. And I did volunteer at times um, just to get that same feel as you, as you get on, well, slightly different from geography field trips because it's a play. It's a play environment. And that's all gone. So just cramming, I think, I think I'll shut up in a minute. I just think that's a nonsense. Um, Darcy, what do you think... What do you think the future learning priorities will be? Have you got anything to add to what Lizzie said? I think the opportunity to have taught online, the, the main benefit has just been, you know, learning new technologies and those technologies can be used in the classroom. And I think that really, for me, would be the blended approach that I would like to see and like to use is, is using the technology in the classroom. So I think if you use using technology, and using it well, it can make lessons really engaging, really interactive. However, I think, you know, having the teacher in the classroom to facilitate that engagement and facilitate that interaction, that's the really important part. Charlotte? Um, yeah, so as Lizzie said, I think the main thing is allowing your students to actually talk to their peers, because um, I know it's 10 times harder online because you don't want 30 students talking on top of each other saying hi how are you and how was your day because you'd take the entire lesson out. I remember how hard it was for me to interact with someone outside my house after the first lockdown. I didn't know what to physically do, whether to hug them, whether to like spud them, um, what to ask because we'd gone through all the questions of how was your day because you ask that every day because you don't know what else to ask and it's the same question that comes up. So I think the priority is letting students have that kind of space to talk um, to people and have that time to actually interact. Um, because I know when they're actually talking to their friends, they talk online as well, and they've not had that face-to-face, -face, whereas we've actually been able to go in to school and talk to teachers um, and kind of be able to let our steam off. That's definitely the main one I think and then you can catch up with all the work afterwards. As we start to wind down then I'm going to ask you a couple of positive things I think. Lizzie first, what, I think I know the answer to this anyway now, <laughs> what geography or teacher related thing are you looking forward to most when the pandemic is subsides and is gone? I'm looking forward to doing some field work. Um, I've missed being outside, um, definitely looking forward to doing some field work and I'm looking forward to being together um, uh, in 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 with people and you know telling stories and sharing ideas and um, yeah just being together and being outside. Charlotte. Um, apart from that, traveling, just actually being able to go and have the freedom to go to Wales or Scotland because we literally can't even leave England, um, and being able to get on a plane and experience that or get on a ferry. Just anything outside of being cooped in the four walls is the most mm. important thing, really. And I think travelling for a geographer is so, so important um, because we enjoy being outdoors and we enjoy looking at different aspects of the world. Um, so definitely going on a good holiday. Have they left you anything left to say, Darcy? <laughs> just about, just about, yeah. I think um, what I'm really looking forward to is 
starting that first NQT job um, in September, hopefully. <laughs> and <laughs> getting, being in a school, being able to get involved with the geography department that's there, being able to get involved with the extracurricular activities that will be available. And, and yeah, just, just kind of getting into that, the, the swing of, of being a geography teacher, really, I think is what I'm really looking forward to. Um, well, I'm going to ask you one last question then. This is advice for, for other people who are in your position, I think, really. Because um, you've had such an unusual experience. What skills do you think you're going to need in your... Because it could be a virtual job interview that you'll get. Um, what skills do you think you need? And uh, what online interview uh, questions do you think you'll get? Um, I'll start with Lizzie. What do you think they're going to be faced with? I mean, I think it will be, there'll be similar questions. Um, I don't think the questions will be uh, that different. Um, but I think it's just about being super prepared, being practical, uh, making sure you've got, uh, um, you're sat in a, in a super environment, you know, you're, you're not going to have someone wandering in during, mid, during your lesson, you know, just being super prepared like that. Um, and then uh, as with any lesson for an interview, whether it's um, online or in person, not trying to stuff too much into that lesson just try and show that you are able to be passionate about your subject and that you're able to support young people to make progress um, in their understanding and it's as simple as that really have you given this thought yet Darcy it's probably a bit further down the line isn't it really it's getting there now it's sort of all starting to kick off a bit um so definitely been thinking a lot about it um but I think you know as we've discussed throughout throughout the talk here we've We've actually had a lot of practice on kind of like online communication and, and, and that sort of thing. So when it comes to an interview, it all feels quite normal now to talk to people virtually. Um, so that aspect of it, I don't feel particularly too nervous about, about having an interview online because I'm just so used to talking to people online. Charlotte, anything else? Anything to add? Um, yeah, definitely. I think the aspect of a virtual job online um, interview is actually okay because we've done it so much now it's kind of a normal thing but the only thing I'll miss is actually being able to go into a school and experience that environment because you don't I for me personally I don't know if it's the right place for me till I'm in there and I experience the school um, and I know that environment and I see myself being there and you don't really have that in a virtual um, interview because they're not going to walk you around and show you the entire school. Um, but apart from that, I think it's okay. I haven't thought of that. It's a really good point, because I mean, in a lot of schools and you get a feel for the school very quickly. Oh, yeah, that's a really good point. Well, this has been really fascinating talking to you three today. It's been a, it's been a bit of an eye-opener. Thank you very much, because, of course, I haven't had to do any of this. I've just watched it from a distance. Thank goodness. <sighs> what a nightmare if I'd been faced with this when I first started <laughs> teaching. Yeah, really enjoyed talking about it all as well. It's, it's been really nice to, to voice all these kind of thoughts that we've, we've had over the last year. It's just been really good. Well, look, thank you, all three of you, for giving up your time for this, because uh, you've got lots of other things on the on the go. And, and so to spend an hour with me, is, is, it's been fascinating for me. And, and it'll be really useful, I think, for, for other PGCE trainees in your position and, 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 and for other teacher trainers, I think, Lydia, as well. It's just nice to share ideas, isn't it, as you said. Thank you very much, everybody. Thanks. Thank you, John. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, John. Thank you. If you've enjoyed today's episode of JogPod, you might also enjoy the GA Annual Conference. 
Taking place online from Thursday the 8th to Saturday the 10th of April this year, the conference gives you access to over 100 lectures and workshops from academics and teachers. There is also a programme of social events, giving you the chance to network with other teachers, alongside an exhibition, so you can discover what's on offer to support you. Prices start at just £50 for the full three-day conference, and student members of the GA can attend for free. Search GA Conference online for more information.